welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, Senior Energy Correspondent, and today we're coming to you from MLEX's Brussels Bureau, and joining me is Antitrust Correspondent, Mary Eccles. Hi, Mary. Hi, Laurel. So football, or soccer, the beautiful game. It's a sport where reputations are made and broken within just 90 minutes, and the fortunes amassed, if you're successful, can be astronomical, with players earning salaries up to more than $90 million. And as teams prepare for next year's World Cup, some surprising links are being made to European competition law. Mary, your story links the phrase modern slavery with multi-millionaire soccer stars, and that's because of third-party ownership, something I haven't come across in my energy reporting. So can you explain to our listeners what that is and why this has become a legal issue recently? Sure. So third-party ownership is when a private investor buys up part of the economic rights of a soccer player. So in practice, what this has looked like in the past is the investor will stump up some cash to buy the player's rights when they're 13 or 14, when they're pretty young. And then when the player moves elsewhere to a different club, the investment company can take a proportion of the player's transfer fee, which, as you said, can often reach millions of euros. So it's become a legal issue recently because TPO was actually banned by FIFA in 2015 and that's now being challenged in the Belgian courts by an investor group called Doyen Sports. So they say that the ban breaches EU rules on competition and that this case should be heard in the EU Court of Justice. And what about this modern slavery quote because it's quite sort of opposed to how we think of football is today. Yeah, exactly. Well, that comes from Michel Platini. So he is the former head of UEFA, which is the European governing body of the sport. And he's argued that this TPO is quite opaque and restricts players' freedom. So he says that players don't really have any choice in where they want to go, which club they go to, and where they work. Um, And he's also backed in this by FIFA Pro, which is the union representing footballers. And both of these parties were present earlier this month in the Belgian court hearing, um, and they were backing FIFA. But with a term like modern slavery linked to this style of ownership, um, there must be another side to this story. So who's supporting this term? And, And most importantly, why? Sure. So, well, obviously, the investor groups who take part in the practice support it. Um, So Doyen Sports, the fund which brought the case against FIFA in Belgium, say that the practice brings money and competition into the game. And and they've also accused FIFA of behaving like a monopolist with this ban. So they say they're locking potential investors out of the game. Um, So as well as them, they've got Sarang FC. That's a Belgian club based in Liège, and they're supporting and sports in their Belgium court hearing. So they actually link the case to Belgium. That's the Belgian link there. Um, and as well as them, there's also been support from the Spanish and Portuguese leagues. Um, so they argue, like Doyen, that it brings much-needed competition to the game. They say that it increases competition between national leagues because players will be then more likely to want to go to a less wealthy league, such as the Portuguese league, um, because then they've got this financial backing from funds like Doyen Sports. So with interest from investors from countries almost as widespread as the sport is popular around the world, um, have there been legal cases in any other countries? Well, there's actually been a few legal cases in Belgium already. So there's actually been two cases in Brussels, um, and we got a judgment in one of those cases last year. Um, But that was actually a jurisdictional judgment, so it focused on where the case has taken place rather than the competition aspect of it. Um, But apart from that, we've also had a case in the Court of Arbitration for Sport, so that's in Switzerland, which is also where FIFA is based, and judges there also upheld the ban earlier this year. 
So this was actually sort of dismissed by Doyen in their hearing. They said that the court of arbitration wasn't really a real court or it wasn't a respectable court and that if the only EU court really should look at EU competition rules, which they argue are being breached in this case. So then coming on to competition, obviously you're a European antitrust Mm. reporter, so let's look at the the European antitrust Mm. angle here. Is there one? Um, And what are the rules at EU level that, that govern this type of dispute? Sure. Well, Doyen has actually sent an antitrust complaint to the European Commission. They've asked the regulator to look into this case, um, but they've actually done that unsuccessfully, basically. So back in September, the regulator wrote back to Doyen and said, look, it's unlikely that we're actually going to find an antitrust infringement here. Um, And so Doyen actually ended up withdrawing its complaint in that case. Um, So it now means that for Doyen, the only EU aspect really left remaining is the fact that the case could be sent to the EU Court of Justice. So now that the eggs are all sort of in this one EU court basket, I should say, though, actually, that there is still a complaint pending at the European Commission from the Spanish and Portuguese leagues, although obviously the, the Commission has ruled on, on this case in terms of Doyen, so who knows what will happen there. OK, so there, their chances are perhaps slightly diminished there. Uh, you would assume so because okay. it's the same. It's the same complaint. Great. And then this is something you first reported on last month. But have there been any updates since then? And, and what's happening next? So the next thing in this case will be the judgment from the Belgian Court of Appeal. So everything really hangs on that and whether or not Doyen will get its day in Luxembourg. So Doyen might be feeling quite buoyed by the fact that one of their lawyers is actually responsible, partially responsible for quite a landmark ruling in football. It's called the Bosman ruling and it sort of changed the way that um, the transfer system worked. So they might be feeling quite buoyed by that. But then of course they have got this string of essentially failed judgments behind them. And now that the FIFA ban has been brought into, you know, is in place, they might struggle to get a case off the ground in a different member state because they would have to find a club that would be willing to support them in order to link their case to that to that member state. So obviously in the case that we've been talking about, that's happened with Sarang FC, which is the Liège-based club. But Sarang actually have been um, you know, heavily sanctioned by FIFA for taking part in TPO. So that might sort of put off other clubs wanting to get involved in this TPO issue. So for Doyen, this might be the last roll of the dice for them. But it sounds like there's still quite a lot of uncertainty. I mean, it, it's time for us to wrap up now, but it's been a really interesting discussion and it sounds like our listeners should should definitely stay tuned for more things from, from you, Mary, on this topic as, as, this, as this continues. Mary, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Mary Eccles is an antitrust reporter in Brussels. Her coverage on third-party ownership of soccer stars is titled Sports Investor Takes Aim at FIFA Ban on Soccer Star Ownership in Belgian Court. You've been listening to the latest in a series of podcasts from MLEX. I'm Laurel Henning and on behalf of everyone from our Brussels Bureau, thanks for listening and bye for now.